0: So my dad once used that, uh, uh, that, uh, fire to the tail trick, uh, on a dog, uh, something similar Oh yeah, when I was young. Uh, so we lived in the, the country mm-hmm. and we would just throw our trash, uh, near the ditch because we would burn it every so often. Sure. That's what you do with trash in the country. I'm not familiar uh, so, with
1: tr- trash burning.
0: Um, but at one point we had a dog and I don't remember the dog's name, um, lucky who would go yeah (laughs) obviously lucky very very not uh he would go out and pick up the milk jugs uh, and then drag them back into the yard Uh, and my dad did not care for that uh so one day he tied a milk jug uh and a string of firecrackers uh to the dog's tail uh and let it rip uh oh my god (laughs) and the dog just took off and never touched a milk
2: jug again correct correct that is that is the trick it 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 is, it is a, a discipline it is effective um it, not aspca approved <laughs> yeah, however don't tell PETA. but it will get the job done
1: country living <laughs> that is it <laughs> nothing like it
0: um electric cattle prods and uh, shot firecrackers collars on yeah shot collars that's the life i trained a bird dog with shot collars yeah uh chokers chokers yeah it's also big in the bdsm community i hear <laughs> yeah, you, you know And muzzles
1: You know, it's all kinds of obedience training you can do Oh, everybody,
2: and welcome again to the Good Trash <laughs> Animal and Human Cruelty Cast Where no. we know no we do not But where are we It's a good trash Genre cast Oh that's what it's called Where we discuss the films You'll never discuss In a film studies course This week's film uh, Because we're celebrating Our 10 year anniversaries Apparently Arthur Has prepared an excellent slate Of either uh, Nostalgic picks From our very first episode That we did a John Carpenter film last time uh, To uh, preferential picks For various co-hosts Picking one of my favorite Movies of all time
0: Oh uh, hazard Balthazar Let's set the record straight I didn't do it for you I did it for the people Oh you did it for the people We never do anything for Dustin No oh, Only oh. for the people It's all about the people I, I, I thought it was for me I thought I, I thought it's because I love it That's your own hubris
1: Okay You did kind of tell him It was
0: for him You at did the end say of it was for week. me I <laughs> edited that out <laughs> 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 He did say it It was real I was there I'm gaslighting him now uh, Welcome don't... to the GTSM Um <laughs>
2: Oh, man. I'm still Dustin.
0: I'm still Arthur. I'm
2: still Dalton. And uh, we are watching Ohazard Balthazar by Robert Bresson. Uh, To warn you, dear listener, just so you know, this is an analysis show, not a review show. So we will be spoiling this film from 1966. Uh, It's a long time out there, but it's not... A super Scene. It's not well-known as a movie for the it's casual well known. cinema watcher.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I feel like its reputation is well-known among cinema heads, but you're right. Uh, as far as outside of uh, m- movie nerds, maybe a little little more off the beaten path. So, when we get to talking about the end, it will be at
2: the end of the show, which is the bigger half of the show, the end being. Uh, and so what we'll do is we'll do a uh, quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. We'll avoid spoilers for that. We'll play a little game called Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve just the gentlest of spoilers, and then we'll get down to business, and that's analysis, and that's when you find out what happens to the donkey, and um, we'll discuss that in all of this. Donkey. donkey, <laughs> The Shrek jokes will abound. Balthasar um, did not make waffles. Did not, know There was never any waffle making. He did not like my boulder. It's, <laughs> it's a very nice boulder. It's a very nice boulder. He, doesn't he does like not parf- fall in love with the dragon. does not fall in love with the dragon. There are no parfaits, um, even though it's French. And... <laughs>
0: There you go. Uh, so that's my synopsis. Arthur, do you have a better synopsis than that? Uh, I, I guess. I kind of mishmashed this from some of my own words and something I found on IMDb. Because this is a, it's a, a, a kind of tricky one to summarize, I suppose, but not at as all. Because it, it, simply put, it is donkey the sad. life of a donkey. <laughs> donkey sad. Uh, <laughs> during a summer holiday, though, uh, the baby donkey Balthazar is becomes a child's pet. But when summer ends and the children return home, Balthasar begins a life of work, passing from owner to owner. That that you know what? That's a good summary. We got there. That's the whole movie. That is what happens That's in this it. film. Well done. Well done. So um, game.
2: Rank the owners. Go. Um, I I'm assuming you're both uh, newbie watchers to this particular film. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So we go. Uh, rock paper scissors shoot. Rock paper scissors shoot. <laughs> you have to say one it. two three <laughs> shoot
0: one two three shoot one two three shoot Dang it!
1: Right. so um dalton wins dalton goes first i guess so, so. I, I actually thought i was shooting to go second but that's fine i'll, I'll take my victory <laughs> i can go first no I admit, no i'll take my no, prize I pick
0: <laughs> it's my choice you put it in our hands literally
1: so dustin's <laughs> decided i'm going first arthur i suppose so i, will. I really don't care you outplayed uh, me and that's this is a good this is a good movie I, I don't know what you want from me. I'm not here to be controversial. I'm not here to be Ingmar Bergman, apparently, uh, who didn't like this movie very much. Uh, I do like this movie. Uh, it's, it, there were times at which I wondered if it would all come together, uh, and it definitely does come together. This is one of those movie watches where I decided to go ahead and read a plot summary before jumping in. Uh, I find sometimes with slower cinema can kind of help me to know what the journey is going in. I found that very helpful here, and even knowing where the story was going, I wondered if all of these disparate themes and ideas would kind of coalesce and come together, and in in its closing moments, Ahazard, Ah Ahazard, Balthazar, Balthazar,
2: Balthazar at random, in English,
1: yeah, I know, We're not going to say it in English. It's not fair. I would just, I thought, for the sake of the dear listener. It is well, and it does, you know, it is relevant to the themes of the film to know. Because it is is quite random. It is. It is, and that is definitely a big theme of the movie, is sort of the ways in which things are random, and the ways in which maybe that randomness feels a little preordained and less than random. Uh, But anyway, I I do think that this movie does come together in the end, and it does eventually kind of coalesce into a, a very compelling whole uh, and it, it sets down its its themes and ideas very clearly at the end of the film. And uh, I, I think it does so extremely well. You know, this is my first foray into transcendental film uh, as far as the classics go. I've, you know, some sort of... Uh, I've had some sort of exposure to kind of the the modern wave of transcendental filmmaking happening. Things like uh, Leave No Trace, First Reformed, uh, Slow West, First Cow. I think these are all sort of in a modern transcendental film movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as like the classics go, your Robert Brisson's, your your Ozu's. This is my my first dalliance with that. And you know, uh, as I was forewarned, this movie and and films like it are slow. But I, I think that definitely is a big part of the vibe that that is. a a huge part of the magic trick of the movie is sort of the starkness with which it depicts things, the sort of no frills approach to the framing of, of events. Uh, it really does make, make or break the movie as, as far as how it depicts things. And if you can't get on its wavelength, I think that's very understandable. Uh, but if you can, it it definitely will reward you for, for getting on its wavelength. I think, um, I don't know. There's there's a lot I want to say about this movie, but I feel like it's uh, we're we're better served to talk about it once we can kind of break it open and talk about its discrete pieces and be a little bit more spoilery. So uh, I'll just say, yeah, it works. And it, despite my misgivings at times, it definitely did come together, and uh, I, I I was very impressed. I, I believed in the magic of the movie, uh, which is all you can really ask for for something like this is for it to live up to the hype, and it definitely did for me. Arthur, what about you?
0: I liked it. Um, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're not wrong. It's a good movie. Um, I, I, I like that about it quite a bit. Yeah, it does, you know, to your point, you know, there's no frills to the, the way it's shot. It does have a very natural, realistic, uh, thing happening and very intentionally, uh, driving it forward. Uh, Balthazar is just the sweetest, uh, little Balthazar could be. And, uh, I, I think, uh, that connection there, uh, is very fascinating from a filmmaking storytelling standpoint. Uh, this is one of those you know, quote unquote, art movies that uh, I think you're going to get out of it what you bring to it from your your, your personal journey, your personal interests, and and your background. Uh, I think is going to. Uh, project a lot of meaning onto what this story is and I think that is uh, kind of a true sign of it's the, the the transcendental style but also just the the artistic element and merit of this I think it is uh, very uh, emotionally moving and powerful um, there is that thing I did not read a plot synopsis so in my head I keep wanting the happy ending of Oh, this is going to happen, or oh, this person's mm. going to get this thing, or you know, the wedding mm, maybe, yeah, yeah, or the comeuppance, or the you know, whatever it might be, life in prison, and then it's life played out, yeah, and life isn't happy endings uh, no. often, uh, by and large, uh, and so I think, uh, I think that's a, a big, uh, piece of its potency uh, in, in in watching it. Uh I I thought it was solid. I I like a lot about it. Uh there's this weird timeless quality to cuz I I mean I guess it's set in the 50s 60s based mm-hmm. on the musical yeah. choices it's but there's something time, also yeah. very Uh, Primitive, I guess, or or, you know, when I initially was watching it, it was like, oh, this is maybe late 1800s, and but then I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. And there's there's a transistor radio, yeah, 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 yeah. but
1: you're right, it doesn't focus much on modern technology or modern living. And I think,
0: you know, our early images of Balthazar pulling wagons and pulling plows, so I think there's already kind of a just a classical, and obviously in rural France, it's not going to be as advanced as London or Paris, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's this kind of Uh, timelessness about it. And then as it moves through time, you know, I don't know how long the events unfold over. It feels like days, but it could also be years. And we're not really sure of that with the editing. Yeah. There's only one time Time jump. Yeah. beginning, it specifically says years go by. Yeah.
2: Just years, not specifically Specifically, how many of me. I mean, we could guess,
0: but she's
2: probably six and she's probably 18 now. Yeah. So we're
0: talking maybe 12 years. Yeah. Um, But once we do get to that kind of post time jump, We're really not as sure of the passage of time in the present. Yeah, it becomes very elliptical. Uh, And it is very episodic in nature as we follow Balthazar from owner to owner, as I summarized. And so I I think it's just a fascinating movie. Uh, You know, uh, I think it's one that would definitely reward rewatches for me uh, to go back to it and revisit and just really it's it's one of those that you can meditate on and Uh really reflect and consider and think about and i so I'm glad we watched it glad we got around to it uh It's one of those movies and putting this list together for for you know ten years of the genre cast it was thinking back to what movies have we talked about the most have come up the most you know when we used to do uh for trash Elser instead uh movies that were recommended a lot you know Oazar Balthazar and Uncle Boomy were two that Dustin has recommended probably more than any other i, I would imagine they at least a lot. from that artistic uh kind of international flair. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of why I chose this Because just the sheer number of times it's been mentioned And then it came up on Top 100 And so I mm-hmm. thought it would be just a fun choice And when we do marathons It's not unusual for us to do uh, International artistic picks So here we are I, I l- liked it, glad we watched it So Dustin, you've spoke about it often Why? Why do you, why do you talk about it so much? I, li- man? I mean, I, obviously I like this movie a whole bunch And I, it was one
2: of the first of the, you need to watch this movies that I watched as a filming. So, I, I but sort of grad school beginning, uh, master's degree in film studies, and I'm like, okay, so what's my list? This was on the list, and it was just one of the first ones I got to. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, cinema can be a thing. That's not what I expected. And it just sort of blew my brain. So, it, it, it in many ways, it's like that, that sort of gateway trip, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for a lot of just what's the possibilities of cinema. So, uh, uh, I have to sort of dial in my affection a little bit because of just when I experienced the movie if that makes sense but that being said that's not to say that it's it, you know it, it's it's gotten less good for me over time or anything like that it's just that there are other movies I've seen since then and you know I'm I'm always sort of reevaluating uh where I am on on given movies and this watch of it was really really great. I I was telling the guys off uh off mic. I'm teaching a film and theology course this semester and I was grateful watching this movie that I saved this one for second to last on the syllabus cuz I can't imagine some of the students being freshmen Coming into this class, perhaps never having seriously watched a film in their lives, to open up with something like this, it would be a very, very sad time, I think, for them. Definitely sets the tone, though. It does. Well, I mean, you say that, that that syllabus is all over the place, because the, the theological engagement, we got Bruce Almighty on the syllabus for that class, we got the Muppets on the syllabus for that class, so there's... A lot of potential. You're
1: being kind to them. I I am. You're not making them watch a bunch of stuffy theological uh, texts. At least
2: not at first. Although the first movie I am having them watch is Babette's Feast. Is Stalker on there? Stalker is not on there because it's very long. That makes sense. Space Odyssey? Uh, Nope. Also yeah, too long. Also too long. Uh, there are some long movies on there. I think Schindler's. So you were kind. Yeah, uh, is Schindler's lit? No, Schindler's List is no. It's on that. Yeah. So that's one that they have to watch. So mm. there, there, there are some tough long watches and fairly quick. In fact, Schindler's List I think is number two on the list. Oh, of he hit with, feast
1: and, and Bivette's feast is a long one
2: too, right? Uh, it's yeah, it's close to two hours. That's what I thought. But it's so good in the food porn. Yeah. But anyway, uh, back to O'Hazard, Balthazar, the movie. Works for me because – and I was thinking a lot about this. And I'm going to change some of my review because we just listened to um, uh, Liliana Poor from A Girl Who Walks Alone at Night make a comparison of this film to another film. But I was thinking a lot about an HBO movie that I have never been able to see all the way through. It was on HBO. I, it had a huge ad campaign. It was called 20 Bucks. And it was the life of this $20 bill in New York City. And all kinds of crazy things would happen as this $20 bill is passed from various people.
1: Sounds like an HBO movie.
2: And I I saw a few minutes of it at one point, but I didn't get to finish it for whatever reason. And then I just never looked to track it back down. And I, in fact, did not look to track it back down now. In fact, I'm not even sure that 20 bucks is the name of the movie. Um, But uh, we're going to... that, 20 bucks is the name of the movie. 1993. There you go. Uh, But... This movie is kind of that. Balthazar is our 20 bucks. And so it's a much more personified $20 bill that is exploring and also has some sense of emotions and uh, a sense of sainthood, as it turns out, as the film plays on. And so I, I think that sort of slice of life really works. Uh, as uh, Lily Amon uh mentioned, the film is very much Forrest Gump without the optimism. And uh, that's that's a good way to think about this movie. It is a pessimistic or slightly cynical, maybe not cynical or pessimistic... I don't think... Yeah, I think that's an, an unfair... World-weary and aware.
1: I think honest. Honest? Maybe more honest than Forrest Gump? Yeah. Yeah. World-weary, I think, is, is a fair assessment, too. I, I think I there think is a certain weariness or, yeah. there. But yeah, I don't necessarily that I know that I would go all the way into pessimistic. Because mm.
2: I've never found Bresson to be a really pessimistic filmmaker. I, I really love A Man Escaped. I really love... Um, uh, pickpocket uh, his two other sort of major works that are very closely paired with this film as well. Uh, and so I, I really enjoy uh, what he does cinematically in general, the way he works with imagery. But in this particular film, you have again this sort of random story of Balthazar and the various owners that he has. And as he grows and moves along that, we we, we actually get a pretty good picture of humanity. But uh, like the donkey, and I think this is what's brilliant about the movie, like the donkey, we do have We have no view into the internal life or internal thoughts uh or monologue of a donkey. We also are restricted in our characters. we really don't know what their motivations are uh i am I'm am thinking Marie one way and then she acts in a different way, and it, it goes in a very very kind of different kind of direction. Uh, I saw you were googling the idiot by dostoevsky, and i haven 't read that one all the way through, but very much I think it it falls through the same kind of idea mm-hmm. with the same kind of Cynicism, um, less Forrest Gump, more Ohazard oh in that sense uh, I've, with a person.
1: so in doing some of my uh, research for just you know looking at other people talking about uh, Ohazard I definitely seen, saw the idiot come up a couple of times. So they're they're compared to each other uh, with some regularity.
2: I mean, and Dostoyevsky mm-hmm. generally has that same kind of not again. dostoevsky I do find to be kind of uplifting. I, I do I don't think of him or Bresson as men without hope making art. Right, and you sort of encounter that sometimes. Uh, They are men with hope, it seems, but they are also world-weary and uh, realistic about that. And so the realism of the film sort of shines through in that. And uh, the performances are great uh, throughout. Uh, Anna Wiazemski, I think is how you say her last name, Wiazemski, who later married... Hyphen Goddard. Yeah, hyphen Goddard, because she married Goddard later. Oh, nice. Which is... um, I have to do some math on the age there, but that seems a little strange. But nonetheless, um, because Godard is like an old man by 1966, it seems... they she's great uh Gerard is a good the whoever plays Gerard's a great actor um although you hate him but that's kind of the point right yeah, yeah and oh, yeah. so throughout it all it all really really works and so it, it it's very sparse that this is one of those movies that that spools out in these sort of uh film critic um review descriptors sparse elliptical spare minimalistic Right, the, these kinds of terms that sort of get thrown thrown around quite a bit, vignettes, episodic, all of those terms sort of spool out from this kind of movie, and it lives up to all of those, uh, because it it is one of those movies that requires you to really think about how you would go about describing it, and uh, it makes for really an interesting experience because of that. So those are my thoughts there on Ohazard Balthazar. Uh, You now know that our general biases are pro uh, towards this great classic of cinema available in the Criterion Collection and in various other places. Let's move on to this part of the show where we play a game called Expanding the Syllabus. Dalton, can you explain what that's all about?
1: Sure will, Dustin. So normally on this show, we're talking about the films you would not discuss in a film studies course. This is the part of the show where we deliver on the promise of the show. We talk about the films you wouldn't discuss in a film studies course in a, except. In a film studies course type way, except this week we're talking about Oth- Ohazard Balthazar, uh, a, a title that I will get used to saying at some point, uh, but a title that you definitely would see on a film studies syllabus. Uh, so, th- th- you know, that's something that we do on this show from time to time, is we do actually talk about highfalutin art, and uh, we'll do our best to do what we always do, which is Take a movie and build a film syllabus course around it, uh, or some sort of academic syllabus. It doesn't necessarily have to be a film class, um, but uh, we're going to try to academically talk about this film and, and compare it and contrast it with some other works and some other tangentially involved writings and such. Uh, Arthur, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. What, what you got?
0: commandeering the show. There
1: he is. He's taking over. Well, I, I I was sort of trailing off, and Dustin didn't uh, steal it from me, so I figured I'd just make it a smooth transition. Why why hand it off to a middleman? Let, let you drown on your own, brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Give him the rope. Um, yeah, Dustin's already spoken over most of my syllabus. Uh, oh, uh, oh, but uh, I I really wouldn't call it a syllabus. I think it would be a singular module, and I don't know where um I would put it, but it would probably focus more on time? I don't know. Uh Forrest Gump though was the first movie I thought of. I mean immediately watching this it's all I could think about uh was Forrest Gump. And so there's something to the the passing of time there uh that is very obviously very Hollywood because it is uh done so more through uh needle drops uh and giving us pop culture references mm. as uh Forrest is kind of living out his life and the way passage time is it through Title cards are entitled to let us know how much time has passed, but it is through a song playing or it is through uh, seeing John Lennon on the Tonight Show or whatever the case may be to let us kind of have a roadmap to to where we are. But in all of that, Gump himself remains a constant, much like Balthasar does, and it's the world around him that's changing, and the world around him, the people, and the the stories that are taking place uh, in those lives, as Mama and Jenny and Bubba and Lieutenant Dan uh these different people that he, have in, he has encountered uh and in, in the trials and tribulations that they go through and the way that they react to forest in retaliation or in relation to what they are going through uh but through that there's a sense of time and the passage of time that that, that doesn't seem to happen but also is almost constant and down uh, rolling downhill uh so with that uh we would talk about Ohasar Balthazar because I think that I I kind of spoke to the time odd time nature of this film that we don't know how much time has passed, but it does seem like maybe months or years have passed, uh, with some of these relationships, but also it feels like maybe only a week has passed. It's, it's a very odd sense of timelessness that takes place. Uh, from there, uh, I would also watch, uh, David Lowry's ghost story, which, nice. which deals with this as well, uh, as, uh, the singular soul, uh, hangs out and watches, uh, time pass by until time ends and loops back around again and and really kind of takes this to the nth degree, uh, in a very unique and interesting way. And I think there are ways at which you can look at just narrative structure, uh, the ways in which you look at character in relation to other character, uh, antagonists, protagonists, foils, um, as well as editing uh, choices and decisions and how that affects or doesn't affect uh, what is taking place uh, with a sense of time and passage of time. And so maybe it's in a screenwriting course and talking about structure or editing, or I'm not sure where I'd put it, but uh, those three movies I think would pair in a really interesting way uh, in looking at how we perceive time and how time passes uh, and then also the kind of philosophic and, philosophical and existential questions that kind of go along with that, as well as just f- uh, formalist questions mm. uh, that we can evaluate as well. Sounds like fun. Very good. Very
2: good. What does your syllabus look like there, Dalton?
1: Well, I I couldn't stop thinking about the production aspect of this movie that is its protagonist. Uh, now, again, I think if you really want to break open the movie dramatically, I think Marie... Mm -hmm. is the the protagonist of this film, but uh, if you uh, take the film at face value, you could go ahead and assume that Balthazar is the protagonist, and uh, it is just interesting to think about producing a movie that is largely around the actions of an animal, and so I did kind of hone in on that. I wanted to talk about movies that are about animals, movies that deal with animals, (laughs) but I wanted to talk about those movies as a, a way to talk about Uh, the ways in which we use and exploit animals, the ways in which we kind of take their relationships to us for granted, uh, and take a look at some films that really are kind of examining this idea uh, of, you know, looking at sort of examining human interaction through the way humans interact with animals. Uh, And all of these films, I think, are engaged with this idea at the literal level in in some ways. Uh, But I definitely want to look at uh, Steven Spielberg's war horse uh-huh. uh, which follows kind of a similar trajectory uh to ozard as far as uh you know um, a journey through the hands of different owners and uh sort of a, an arc that uh, bends towards uh cruelty uh, a lot of the time uh or um you know a, a desire to get back to a a simpler and easier way of being uh i also want to look at jordan peele's very recent nope i think that one of the kind of the Mm. biggie on the eye chart themes of that film is uh the use of animals in the entertainment industry and uh, i think it would make for really i just i I thought about nope a lot watching uh specifically just because it's you know it is sort of one of the movies of the summer but it, it does sort of deal with the ways in which we kind of take animals for granted and, and manipulate them and ex, uh, exploit them uh I, I think it deals with that in a really interesting way and uh I, I think uh sort of uh the ideas of bad miracles uh and and um nope uh kind of feed into a in some interesting ways that i think would be fun i definitely want to look at a, a film that i don't know if you guys are familiar with do you guys know about the film roar are you familiar with oh, this? Oh, the uh, Lion the yeah, movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we talked Tippi about no, no Marshall and Tippy Hedren's Roar. Yeah. yeah, we would absolutely be looking at this film. Listener, if you don't know, I, I, really we would need Dangerous a full movie. 15 minutes to get into it. Jan de Bont, the director of Speed and Twister, was nearly scalped by a lion on this movie. Uh, basically, No Marshall had too much money and uh, decided to turn his house into Big Cat Rescue and uh, also wanted to make a movie about that. It took like 10 years to make, and uh, his whole family, including... Tippy Hedron and uh, their daughter, Melanie Griffith was involved and everybody basically had a uh, big cat related injuries. <laughs> um, but I think it's a really, really fascinating movie as far as just the, it's, it's production history. Uh, I think that this is, this is a, a film that we'd spend probably a pr- good portion of time on as far as looking at ancillary materials, as far as there's plenty of doc fun documents, as far as like what happened on this set, and how, how the making of this movie went down. Um, so I think it'd be really, really fun to discuss. And again, it, it sort of brings a lot of these questions of animal exploitation to the forefront. I think the the most obvious and useful pairing for Roar would be Tiger King. We definitely wouldn't get through the whole series. It's just it's too, too much. much and too weird uh it's just too sprawling for for uh you know a, a class that's using it as sort of a supplementary material but i think definitely think it's useful to take a look at uh we'd also look at the Todd Salons film Wiener Dog which is uh, i referenced on our our top 100 countdown Dustin, when we were talking about O'Hazard. uh I were, so I was like oh this sounds like what i've heard of Wienerdog. Dog and it turns out Salons was like directly influenced huh. by O'Hazard. Interesting. You know, he, he he actively was working from that as sort of a template for his film wiener dog which is similarly about a dog and it's its journey throughout uh, different people's lives um definitely uh one final one we take a look at is the japanese film the adventures of milo and otis uh, uh. which is some sub- rumored to have a lot of animal mishandling on set maybe even some deaths uh it's there's I, I did some looking and there's less that's easy to prove than I thought there would be. I thought that this was just out in the open. Apparently, it's all rumors at this point. Mm. There's never been any like big uh, reveals. So it's on like
2: this. the Richard Gere Gerbil story at this point. I think
1: it's a little there's a little more bit more reality based than, than that. that. Yeah. yeah, it's not just rumor uh, fully. Uh, there there is some you know speculation, but the ASPCA was involved remotely in some capacities on this film. Yeah, they didn't actually have any representatives on hand. So I think there's there's some reasons why it behooves a lot of people for the, to not be confirmed that mm. there was animal mishandling on set, but uh, The Adventures of Milo Notice has sort of famously has a lot of rumors and allegations about animal mishandling, and I think that would probably be a big part of the class is looking at different accusations of a, you know animal exploitation and mishandling throughout film history, and uh, kind of allowing us to to look at these sort of artistically lauded films. Some of these films are you know more artistically lauded than others, obviously. Uh Roar is sort of a, a joke, uh sort of a novelty. Oh, Hazard is considered a serious work of artistic integrity, and I think looking at them in conjunction with each mm-hmm. other uh only deepens both films. So I, I think that's so that's what the class would be. It would probably be kind of focused on the business side of the industry or like the the logistics side of the industry, the production side. Uh but uh, looking at these films and how they can kind of tell us interesting things about how films are produced. And uh, the, the sort of the means by which animals are used in, in productions. I think there's some really interesting stuff going on. I mean, they were mean to the donkeys that played Balthazar. I, I think mm-hmm. that that's worth talking about on this episode. Balthazar gets beat a lot in this movie. And there's nothing to lead you to believe that they didn't actually beat a donkey uh, right. for the movie. So I think that's it's, it's an a ethical issue worth discussing.
2: I thought of a scene from Tombstone often. Mm. Hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. so hand me that stud. And I uh, forgot about that scene. Never yeah. I thought about that. But uh, yeah, I thought about it.
1: Well, Dustin, you actually are teaching. This film. Yes. Uh, are you going to just tell us a little bit about the class in which you're teaching, or do you have an imaginary class for us?
2: I'm gonna do, well, I'm going to do it in an imaginary class. So okay. in, in a film theology class, we would, we would pull out and suss out the various theological themes that are there in the film and uh, think about uh, films of meditation is where it's going to be in the class that I'm teaching right now, how you meditate on a certain idea mm. or set of ideas. Uh, meditation and transcendence is the idea. That I would uh, uh, use, that I will be using when I teach this in a class. However, uh, I think the primary way you would encounter this film in a film studies course is a, in a film studies course on styles of cinema. Mm. So, German Expressionism, film noir, uh, surrealism, etc. And it, that way, it's kind of internationalist in its uh, in its scope and this this would fall under that that uh rubric of transcendental cinema uh mostly because of the great book by Paul Schrader transcendental film style and uh though the other films that i'd pair with it would be the one that Schrader pairs or the directors with which uh Schrader pairs this. and so ozu's tokyo story would be a film that i would definitely use for this and then carl theodore dreyer's uh the passion of joan of arc and talking about this again slow in terms of editing and pacing style, uh, the sparse or spare style. In terms of set decoration, ornamentation, and lighting, so it's it, it's very different from the extremes that you might encounter in, say, a German expressionism, a film noir, or uh, even the uh, extremes in terms of like Soviet montage or mo- just general montage filmmaking versus, say. Um, what you encounter in surrealist filmmaking, well,
1: even something like Dogma ninety five, right? Dogma pairing yeah. that with transcendental film kind of allows you to look at like two very different ways of removing artifice from filmmaking, mm-hmm. right.
2: right? Absolutely, and 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 though artifice in many ways is elided, it, it's not without artifice. I mean, the Schubert piece obviously uh, gives some artistic commentary throughout it, and again, the choice to not decorate the choice the choices to do what you do is in fact its own version of artifice and uh, but what what the artifice does is it lays bare other sorts of ideas and again in that sense of transcendentalism the american uh intellectual movement opens the mind to again spiritual possibility as uh, one watches the film and so i think that would be the discussion um that i would want to say on the air Right. Uh, for this is that this movie is part of a a movement in classes that you're going to encounter where you find this book, uh, Paul Schrader's transcendental film, combined with uh, a handful of directors, Ozu, Bresson, and Carl Theodore Dreyer. Obviously, you could pull in your Andre Tarkovsky, who's a little later on, and then you can move into contemporary films like tra- First,
1: Schrader himself,
2: Schrader yeah. himself, First Reformed. First Cow. There's a lot of firsts, apparently, in transcendental filmmaking. <laughs> have you oh, seen First Cow? The I have not Kelly seen Reichert First Cow. You, would
1: like, you like Reichert, though, right?
2: I do. Yeah, you would like First Cow. I so think. I think I'm there for it. I just haven't got to it yet. Yeah. And so, you know, Uncle Boone, Me and uh, those movies that I've mentioned before that are also part of that slow cinema style that, again, open up that meditative space uh, in the film-watching experience. Even 2001 A Space Odyssey, in some ways, is transcendental, I think, uh, even though it gets very bombastic moments that's interesting Yeah, because it it really is pretty slow in the middle and then it turns things up to 11 and so it 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 probably does not fit schrader uh, absolutely does not fit schrader's definition ideally but in a weird way it's still able to achieve that same kind of space Mm. um there with the film so that would be the way in which i'd construct a class uh dealing with oh
1: dustin i think you've teed us up very nicely for the thing, the thing that we've come here to do.
2: Oh, we have. Well, it's time to get down to business. It's
0: business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's
2: business. That's right, dear listener. And that business is, as always, analysis. So, uh, we are transcendental film. Transcendental film. What is? What even is that? Uh and so I I go to Robert K. Johnston, who was one of my professors at Fuller, who has uh, built this sort of uh spectrum of theological um encounter or dialogue with film, and there's like this sort of avoidance and criticism to sort of uh, boycott level, right, on the on the on the negative end, like this movie's naughty and it's bad because of content or because of blasphemy or mm. because of it exposes the wrong ideas or whatever, you know yeah you know you're
1: saying things that are making me want to roll my eyes- exa- yeah, yeah that
2: that that kind of thing to a place in which there's dialogue to a place in which uh it may be a way in which we can be confronted and then there's uh the last level which is the divine encounter. And I think transcendental film, uh, for theists, is that of The Divine Encounter. For a person from another worldview, I think the transcendental film is the moment of self-reflection, self-reevaluation. The moment in which you watch this film and you think about, how am I living my life and how can I live my life better? And uh, I think that is what a transcendental film fundamentally is. Is that you are thinking about what's happening in the movie, but you are... um, inhabited haunted by these films uh to consider more what is a life well lived and what am i doing currently to make sure i'm living my life well that 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 seems to be more the uh, the confrontation of the transcendental film
1: well and there's a a real grounded i don't even know if i want i wanted to say grounded spiritualism at first but that doesn't even feel like the right way to phrase it um but there there is a a grounded sense of um bigness to reality mm-hmm. uh, right however you want to look at that but i i think the, the the reason i chose the word grounded is i think you're right like whether you have a theistic worldview or not i think these transcendental films like do a really good job of bringing everybody into the film mm-hmm. regardless of worldview i think right. they do a really good job of of grounding the everyday and, and sort of looking at how the mundane is extremely like prophetic and divine right mm-hmm. I, yeah i think that's, that's that 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 everydayness, that regularness, I think is really big in, in, in these sorts of films.
2: And then, and one cannot leave those encounters with the, the bigness. I, honestly, you just reminded me of a scene from, um, of obviously not a transcendental film, uh, Joe versus the Volcano, <laughs> when Joe is looking up at the moon and said, I, I never realized, and he stumbles for words, how big, and that's all he can say. And, and I think that's what transcendental films do for us. Uh, if we have uh, additional theological or religious frameworks we sort of graft them onto that and use them for those purposes and, but even without them though mm-hmm. they still engage us in such a way that we go okay i have to think about you know i i, I don't want to buy death sticks i need to go home and think about my life <laughs> that's that's what the movie
1: does well, and Brisson, I I guess described himself as a Christian atheist, which I and didn't and didn't really offer much uh clarification on what he meant by that, which kicks ass. That's a great way to answer a question. Uh and an awesome answer to not give any uh, mm-hmm. elaboration on. But I, I think that definitely speaks to this film's palette. Right. In a really uh, concise way. I I think that that Knowing that that's how Brisson thought of himself, or at the very least would answer a question about himself that way, I think he tells you a lot about this movie. And that is
2: a a bit of nomenclature from an actual particular theological movement known as Radical Theology. Dear listener, if you're interested in that, feel free to do some research into some stuff by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or Gabriel Marcel, the philosopher, uh, later on, Alitzer, and... um, uh, John Caputo. If that, I'm gonna name dropping a lot, but if that was just like one of those things that went your radar went Christian atheist, that sounds really cool to me. Mm-hmm. That it's it's a thing. It can be really not atheist or really not Christian, depending on how you go depending about on it. Who's doing it? Which which emphasis you want to do? But it's 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 an interesting uh, set of ideas, and Zizek sort of plays with this as well a little bit later on in the uh, 20th and 21st centuries. So uh, there's. There's ample playground for that kind of idea.
1: Sorry, I just wanted to. No, no, please. I want yeah, to give us some context. <laughs> for, some for that.
2: from some of the. I think it's what Bresson is sort <laughs> of referring to. And again, this movie oftentimes is really interpreted as like one of these super super Catholic movies. And uh, Bresson was a Catholic, and uh, and you know, but he would at times distance himself. He would distance him, his filmmaking from this as well. He's got a movie on or movie, excuse me, a book on cinematography or the cinema cinematograph. Cinema- cinematography, I forget the title of the book now, mm. um, by Bresson, but uh, he he sort of talks about how his Catholicism is pretty separate from his filmmaking. Interesting. And uh, I, I think for the most part that's true, but also um, following the, um, the thesis of the, of the book After Image, there's a way in which there's an imprint there that cannot be escaped, I think, if one comes from something, it's going to come out in what one does. Well
1: you want to hear a Brisson quote? I yeah. I love, I'll
2: love another Brisson okay.
1: quote. There is this feeling that God is everywhere. And the longer I live, the more I see that in nature, in the country. When I see a tree, I see that God exists. I try to catch and to convey the idea that we have a soul and that soul is in contact with God. That's the first thing I want to get in my films, that we are living souls. Uh, So that's, you know, there's a little little context on what what the man himself kind of where he was at theologically or, um, you know, as far as his worldview.
2: And I, and I think the atheism of his Worldview, I think, is also in the Absence of God, because I do think mm. there is Sort of an absence of intervention The whole time, if you're watching this movie, especially With 21st century eyes, the whole time You're thinking, when will somebody Stop beating the donkey? When will we finally, you know See Gerard just get kicked in the I mean, we want the donkey to kick him in the face I mean, I do anyway, really, yeah. really, really bad
1: Gerard's a monster. Yeah, absolutely yeah. is he's vile
2: and, he, and he's sort of like, there's like an accidental semi-kick To the head of Arnold when Arnold finally Dies, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're like, ah, oh, not Arnold. I mean, he kind of is
1: terrible, but. You know, I don't know. Arnold's kind of likable. He's kind of likable. Yeah, you know, Arnold, the town alcoholic, who is also uh, a, a repository for lost animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of that's a, his his likable trait, right? And, and he just he, wins the lottery,
2: basically, with this uh, dead uncle that yeah. you know gives him this massive inheritance. He has a great party <laughs> and drinks himself to a stupor.
1: Well, and that's you know an, a great scene for the evil that is Gerard. Right, yeah. Gerard mm. cannot help but feel hatred at seeing this person he looks down on be successful and happy yeah, right this this guy he looks down on because he's the town alcoholic has come into a great sum of money and he has to trash the party mm-hmm. because this guy does not deserve to be
2: happy well jealousy says. is like the number yeah. one problem that Gerard seems to have right yeah. and so but you know that, that that's the sort of randomness of the universe is that it is an indifferent and at times cruel universe
1: you'll your uncle will die and leave you a big pile of money and then you'll on the street and knock yourself dead yeah uh, and, and that you know
2: that's where the sort of intersection between real lived experience mm-hmm. and those beliefs beliefs in the divine sort of intersect in an interesting kind of way because there still is transcendence you know with that kind of stuff in the film. Because even though Balthazar goes badly as well, Mm. there's still this sense of beauty and of oneness with the universe and this sort of final sense of grace even that's experienced.
1: Water is used a lot to, to communicate like both... The spiritual and the mundane, right? Like there's the baptism of Balthazar at the beginning of the film. Right. Yeah. But then there's also like the waterfall that Balthazar takes the tourists to go see, the, or the painter, right, that wants mm-hmm. to see. There's a th-
2: painter and some sort of uh, philosopher of some sort, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and they're, they're, Balthazar is being used to ferry them about on their little sightseeing journey uh so water comes again there uh he's constantly stuck in the rain and in the elements balthazar i mean uh and then there's also him being used to pump water Mm -hmm. by this miller so like water keeps coming up and it's it's in different contexts and different meanings but it's sort of like uh it's ubiquity is, is like definitely something the film's focused in on. And I, I just I thought that was interesting. Like it keeps coming into the film.
2: Right. Yeah. It is clearly elemental. And again, those religious connections is more mm-hmm. mundane connections. Same thing with the bread that Gerard delivers. There's a yeah. sort of the connection to yeah. communion, but it also is just like how he's making bread. Yeah. Right. Like money. Yeah. Uh, and in very, very 60s hip speak. And so all of those things are sort of, you know, um, interestingly played out. That's never too preachy. Uh, There's an essay in the Criterion Edition that talks about how, uh, yes, there's religious overtones. Yes, there are themes. But this is no C.S. Lewis allegory. Um, There's not a one-to-one correspondence. And one thing can mean multiple things in different valences at different times. And that's part of the power of the film. Um, So... You know, the religious imagery itself, I guess, just to sort of lay it all out, uh, there's an early baptism scene. There's a lot of sort of donkeys and uh, Jesus's nativity kind of stuff early on in the movie. Um, there's these, this uh, idea of communion with the bread. And then finally, uh, Balthazar's death with the sheep around, right? Yeah, sort the, of
1: the sheep vigil.
2: with the good shepherd kind of thing. And, yeah. And, yeah. And Balthazar as Christ figure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And and then there have been breakdowns of the film, and I don't think they all entirely work, of looking at various characters or various sequences as explorations of the seven deadly sins. I mean, there's definitely a lot of wickedness to the humans, and you could sort of go, okay, well, there's your lust, and there's your, you know, your uh, intemperance, and there's your pride, mm. and there's your you gluttony, know, yeah. gluttony. And, you know, you could sort of go through and kind of make quasi-adjustments to that. But, I mean, people suck is kind of Brayson's point, and yeah. he's not wrong. So I I don't know if you go, you know, get even real... Good,
1: even good people are kind of schmucks. Right. Like even Jacques, who means well, is sort of an idiot.
2: Right. Yeah. But you don't have to get real uh, schematic, I think, with it. I think that's, that's probably doing violence to the film. Uh, let's move in into a discussion a little bit of uh, Maria. Uh, well, speaking Mar- of
1: violence, that's, that's a character we can discuss. You right.
2: Know? Who is um, perhaps the other protagonist.
1: Yeah, as I, as I alluded to earlier. I, yeah, I think she's sort of... The, the the other entity that the film is most focused on right i mean is there any I, I guess gerard shows up a lot but that's sort of because he becomes one of balthazar's owners or mm-hmm. at least users of Balthazar. and, and is something yeah. of an antagonist to yeah. the film yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah fair well i think definitely an antagonist mm-hmm. yeah i think that's definitely a fair assessment of like his role within the story um yeah marie has a really is it marie or maria marie, marie. it's
2: marie marie Maria. Maria. marie I don't that's know. Right.
1: No, I think it is Marie. Um, Marie. Yeah, she has a real rough go of it, man. Uh, and uh, a lot of that's got to do with the fact that uh, this guy, Gerard, is obsessed with her. Mm-hmm.
2: And, 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 I mean, there's what is perhaps trigger warnings, I guess, at this point. Perhaps a sexual assault in their first encounter.
1: This film really does a a masterful job. I, you know, maybe masterful too nice a way to... I, I don't know. We've definitely discussed on this show how... Cinema and visual media deals with sexual violence before and how it's always a thorny question right and there's you know I think the last times we really talked about it on this show was when we discussed the nightingale mm-hmm. which is a film has like very stark you know a film by a woman obvious using, using yeah. the, the female gaze to sh- sort of really show the the ugliness of the world uh, this film doesn't show anything on screen other than just sort of like constant advances and sort of chooses to be elliptical and fade out Mm -hmm. as we are left to assume that Marie kind of gives up uh, fighting off Gerard's advances. Right. That's, That's sort of the implication we get and it's, I don't know, I think the film is really smart how it chooses to deal with the ugliness of the world. Yeah, uh, it's it's. I don't know. It's interesting.
2: Well, yeah. that and you know, you see Marie do it. You know, and, and again, this is you know, she sort of gives in or whatever. But mm-hmm. then she like goes all in at one point too, where she's willing to give up family and run off with this guy Gerard that she's in love with him. Yeah, well, she fully it, does end up it, in a relationship. It becomes like codependent in that co- yeah. sort of sort of way because of his gaslighting or whatever other sort of uh, emotional abuse. But w- again, we're not given any of that information. We're just simply we're just simply witnesses to some of the things that she happens to say, and so we don't really know what what motivates Gerard, what really motivates her, and uh, I, I, there you fill in your own details, which I think is really useful.
1: Yeah, we're given more than Balthazar gets, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not like he's the only POV character in the story, right? It's not like we. O- scenes of the film are not just where when balthazar is present yeah, we're
2: not only ever in stables or whatever yeah. yeah
1: so we we get some things that he's not getting but you're right that the film like does choose to keep a lot of context to itself it doesn't share frequently as as again keeping us uh, in the same spot as balthazar just sort of observers to what's going on without really any control of events
2: mm-hmm. um coming back to the most of the randomness of the film we've already mentioned the death of arnold but arnold may or may not have done a murder in a stupor.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's right? sort of. A, or Gerard and his gang did a murder. Did one in the and they're they It
2: sort never of says pointing, who did the murder, does? Yeah, it? Yeah, we never find out. Yeah, that which is kind of how things go sometimes. Yeah, and uh, he does not get the gallows. He gets an inheritance, and yeah. then he dies. I mean, that's the sort of up and down randomness of life. And, yeah. I, and I like how the film captures that, you know, it's for the rising and falling of yeah. fortunes. Uh, Jacques and his family are doing really well, it seems. And Marie and her parents are doing really well. And then things change. And I'm not sure what the issue of pride and taking credit for I never, I never do quite understand what's going on with her dad, but it
1: makes me feel better that you have seen this movie a few times are not clear on the the situation between Jacques and Marie's fathers. I,
2: I think there's an assumption at some point that he is uh, not uh, doing good tenant farming yeah. and not a uh, skimming off yeah. the top. He's yeah. doing too well, and yeah. so in he's order not to prove it back, yeah, and yeah. It, in order to prove to overprove that he's doing the right thing, he
0: sort of puts himself in debt and yeah. ruins himself. Right. Well, that and he's also somewhat worried about marie marie yeah this is kind of the illusion there as, as to why he has gone so far the other direction right yeah, yeah as far as the rumors it, it seems to be some sort of embezzlement type mm-hmm. skimming off the top is what people are saying but Jacques is on his side yeah
1: well and the representatives we get of uh jock's dad Jacques is the representative of his father in the film and like what we get from Jacques is that like his dad's mind about this thing's situation seems to keep changing, which I think is sort of interesting. And I guess right. maybe that's why it's kind of hard to get a handle on what's going on because yeah. it seems like characters minds change about what's both Marie's father and Jacques fathers both sort of have changes of heart about the, the situation with the farm. So it's, it's sort of hard to track, but I think that's, again, as you said, I think that's to the film's like uh, credit, like it's trying, it's not trying to like bring you into those details. Mm-hmm. It is sort of, Supposed to be kind of labyrinthine and opaque. Uh, it's not supposed to make any sense because it doesn't.
2: Right, that's it's, life.
1: These sort, yeah, these sorts of land machinations don't make sense.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If you're an outsider looking in on anybody's story, like I don't know, the, the, this couple they're splitting up. I don't know who did what. You know, he he says Rumors this, she says mills mills that. And yeah, and I heard this from somebody, but what's really going? Nobody knows. Yeah, right. And that it's it sort of that experience, which yep. is you know accurate. I think
1: um, we've talked a little bit about. Uh, there's two things I want to talk about. Uh, Gerard is sort of a character that we we've talked about as being the antagonist, a, a villain in the film. Incredibly uh, petty. Just a, just a just a little bastard. Just a real <laughs> just, little uh, bastard. Yeah, I can't stand but it. But God, does the town keep making excuses for him. Mm-hmm. Which I think is very true. Including
2: his mother especially.
1: Well his mother and then the, the, the baker is not his mother, right? The, the, the baker's the, not his father? The 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 baker and the baker's wife or the, the two the couple they're, that owns the bakery. They're
2: not his parents? I don't think so. Oh are maybe they? they're not. I thought it was his mom. I thought they
0: really? were too but
1: Okay. I'm I could be wrong. I just thought they were his employers. Oh, were no, I don't know why I
0: wouldn't put myself out that much for an employee but I, I mean yeah. some people are sweeter than me, I suppose.
1: I yeah, I just thought that they I saw some trouble. Mom. That would make more sense.
0: Could buy him a, a new motorcycle and a radio yeah. and you know
1: that makes way more sense. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that he was like some troubled kid that the bakers wanted to It was a weird know, thing because he steals
0: the money and she's like, Don't do that if you need money ask, which seems more like a boss relationship like a yeah. employer relationship. But then the, the giftings of bikes and radios seem a little more and he lives there with them, so I kind of assume he's or mom. So I don't know. That
1: would make sense. Too. I again, I, I the, the tenant uh, employee sort of seems like a you know a bygone you know mid mid twentieth century rural area sort of arrangement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I ended up thinking it's possible. That. Yeah, but in, in any case, like there are characters who see Gerard's cruelty and kind of write it off and try to make excuses and ignore it. And it is it is interesting that Brisson is sort of honed in on this idea and again there are other characters who express cruelty like right even though we mostly have nice things to say about um oh calling. thank you i want to call him albert arnold arnold beats the donkeys he yeah gets, he gets drunk and because he should the shit out of his animals that he's taking care of uh so he's not like a pure heart right Mm-mm. like there is there is malice within him but it's interesting the ways in which like the most nefarious character is one in which like the town is actively protecting him sort of just an interesting detail that the film peppers in. But, uh, I I thought the, the, the relationship between Gerard and, and Marie is, is like predatory and, and upsetting to watch, but there's sort of this interesting parallel that we get, uh, in in the scene where Balthazar goes to the circus and Mm -hmm. is like put on the other side of some bars from a tiger. Mm -hmm. And it just made me think of the, the Marie Gerard scene where he's chasing her around Balthazar. Uh, it, it does make me think of that, 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 being forced into close proximity with a predator uh, and just like again we we have no way of knowing what this donkey and this tiger are feeling these are real animals who are not actors obviously right. they are just on a film set and we are watching in their, the same room yeah in the same room and we're watching their eyes and uh, it is a really kind of profound moment in the movie i feel like it really stuck with me mm-hmm. uh, i don't know about you guys but it just it made me think of that earlier scene uh, with with uh, Marie and Gerard, sort of a, a parallel of the film presents without really remarking upon it at all. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting.
2: That is brilliant. Uh, I was going to think about let's see. There was one more character I thought we hadn't talked about, but I think I've it's fallen out of my head. The, the, the parents, Jacques,
0: Arnold, Arnold, the circus, the uh,
1: the, 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 the oh the Miller, the Miller, the Miller. yeah, the, the Scrooge the, McDuck, the Scrooge McDuck, yeah, the rich guy who doesn't have electricity, right. Yeah.
0: The miser. Yeah.
1: What a weird character. (laughs) Yes. What a, what a sad old little man Mm -hmm. uh, who also is, uh, it's very interesting. Marie is so much more world weary and, uh, self-assured when she deals with the Miller than when she's has to deal with, uh, Gerard and his gang. Mm -hmm. It's sort of interesting to watch her development as a character sort of, she sees how men choose to interact with her. She's sort of ready to deal with the ways in which they act. Very, very interesting character right. moments and with the Miller. Yeah, he's not. A, he's a character that we don't get a lot of time with, but he, he might be worse than Gerard in some ways. In some ways, yeah, yeah, an yeah. interesting character. Yeah, it doesn't def- ever beat Balthazar though. He's not one of the worst owners that he has. Right. Well, his cruelties
0: to people as possessions, objects. No, yeah. he's ready to kill Balthazar. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't, and he works him hard. Yeah. So I don't know that he's any better than anybody else. To definitely not. Yeah, yeah. worse than Arnold But it's just
2: possessions, it's just, you yeah. know, my investment, protect my investment yeah. as long as it's my investment if it's making me dividends Yeah And that's all he cares about Use until it its usefulness is used up yeah. Well, here's,
1: here's a, a great, I, I wrote this down because I love, this is a line from the Miller, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Oh boy Life is nothing but a fairground, a marketplace where even your word is unnecessary, a banknote will do Paying people frees you from any obligation, better still, get them to work for nothing not everyone sees things my way it takes nerve and flair it just takes nerve and flair what a uh, boy who does that sound like <laughs> uh, comparisons could be drawn comparisons could be drawn to all sorts of figures historical and, uh, and contemporary and contemporary yes uh but yeah just uh, i don't know a vile disgusting way of looking at the world
2: it really is yeah truly is
1: but it, it's it's definitely a worldview that is represented within the film. like He's not the only person who is all about money and exploitation. It's just like he's the only one who will say it loud. Mm
2: -hmm. I think the last thing I'd want to talk about is just the fundamental saintliness of Balthazar, Mm -hmm. his his goodness. His goodness in the face of suffering. And I I do think if the movie's got a message, it's that. Is that uh, a life well lived is worth living well. And even if you die alone separated from everybody and everything if you've lived well you know there's a there's a glory and a and a, and a uh, uh i don't know what the word i'm looking for a grace to that i, I think about those last scenes when balthazar laden with all these weapons from a, uh uh per,
1: well perfumes and, and perfu- gold and speaking perfume of and, religious imagery mm-hmm,
2: yeah you know uh from the smuggling uh efforts of gerard accidentally shot in the crossfire by the border patrol and uh grows off by himself to die in his own little Golgotha there mm-hmm. uh with the uh with the sheep mm-hmm. like that that seems to be the sort of the transcendent message is Balthazar has many, many opportunities you know one cannot be very good or very bad as a donkey, but um he is definitely a good donkey because they can be worse i've been around donkeys um they are terrible animals most of the time, and uh Gerard would have definitely had the brains leaking out the side of his head. Uh, around most of the donkeys I've ever encountered. They are cantankerous, uh, contentious creatures. And Balthazar refuses to behave in that kind of way. And so it it does seem that there's a a certain reward to the the way in which he only ever acts in love or affection and never ever chooses to act in retaliation, right? Mm. Like, there's something to that.
1: Well, there's something to, like, the image of, like the flock gathering around Mm -hmm. him, right? Like the, the universe sees his suffering and validates his, his choices uh, as, as whatever choices he was able to make as a donkey, (laughs) but he's seen by the universe and it like does not die alone, dies surrounded by, uh, you know, other other caring souls, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting.
2: By choosing not to be a donkey that kicks and bites. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, which is about, I mean, one cannot be very good or bad as a donkey, right? But there's this sort of Catholic idea of optimo corruptio pessimi, uh, which is the, uh, the best corrupted is the worst. And so, yeah, a corrupted donkey is only going to bite and kick, mm-hmm. but a corrupted dog is going to be much more dangerous. A corrupted human being even more dangerous. Gotcha. Right. And so the better the thing is or the higher the thing is up in the sort of plane of existence or of awareness and consciousness, the worse the thing can be. And uh, he is the best he can be as a donkey. And that's good. And that's good enough. You know, be the best you can be. And that'll be good enough. I think that's that's a good word. You know.
1: Yeah, I think there's value there. And I think it's very easy to like look at this film as uh, being one of sort of taking a Taking a Jobian look at mm. existence and living, and 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 yeah, I, I don't think the film goes that direction. I no. think it very easily could yeah. be just be like, well, suffer, suffering is goodness, and actually suffering is great for you, and that's that's how you connect with God is through your, your the the pain that you experience because of the world's cruelty. I don't think the movie goes that that direction. No, I think it's it's much more, as you said, like about living well mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to suffering. Right. Even though Balthazar does suffer. It's, that's not the, he never gives into it. He never gives into it. And it's, it's not like, it's not all that the world has to offer him. And you're right. Like he doesn't like let it consume him Mm -hmm. Uh, again, but also that's, that's what we as film watchers are putting on Balthazar, right? He, there are no lines. There is no acting being done. We are sort of putting our, our, uh, our anthropomorphizing this donkey to, to, to our own ends. But I think the movie, like that's the strength of the film is allows you to do that Mm -hmm. like very well.
2: All right, well, let's render a verdict then with Ohazard Balthazar, the classic by Robert Bress
0: on shelf or trash. I ask you first, Arthur. Uh, I think you can definitely put this one on a shelf. Uh, uh, much to uh, much to uh, think on and reflect on with this one. Yeah. What do you say, Dalton? Shelf or trash? For what
1: am I? Yeah, what, <laughs> I'm not going to put this movie in the trash. What am I, a monster? I yeah, I'm not going to put this this classic of uh, transcendental filmmaking in the in the dumpster. This is a great film. You should check it out. Is it a little slow? Yeah, probably. But uh, I think it's worth your time if you're a movie watcher. If you listen to movie podcasts, this film will appeal to you.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to say shelf. Actually, it's on my shelf. Thanks, Keith. And uh, that's why it's on my shelf. And I appreciate you very much, my friend. And uh, it's a movie worth watching and definitely worth catching up to as quickly as you possibly can. Although I would say this, watch it first before you buy it. Sure. So probably. Just make sure you're going to be able to get on its wavelength. That's probably good advice. That's fair. So there you go, dear listener, our thoughts on uh, Ohazard Balthazar. If we'd like to share your thoughts, you can do it via many ways, and Dalton will tell you about all of them That's right now. That's
1: right. I will do that just, very, just that very thing, Dustin. You can email this show at goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. That's goodtrashgenrecast, the name of the show you're listening to, at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about Ohazard Balthazar. Does uh, it whip? D- does it whip? Does it suck? only you can tell us. Uh you can also find us on Twitter at Good Trash Media. Uh that's where we post links to this show and uh you know other stuff. We're we're f- semi active. You know, Good Trash Media at at Good Trash Media on Twitter. Uh last but certainly not least, you can help support this show at patreon.com. It's patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh all sorts of things uh going on over there. Uh chief among them though is you could pick a film for this show for us to discuss uh another thing you could get is a a little a little gift from us a little a little blu-ray or dvd based on the level you give at uh chosen by the arthur tron 9000 himself uh you fill out a survey arthur puts it into his brain and out comes a movie selection for you um anyway if that there are
2: four more braisson movies you could throw at us just saying
1: yeah uh if that's something that appeals to you that's patreon.com forward slash gtm
2: there are more than four but there are kind of four
1: there yeah what are the big four
2: the big four are pickpocket a man escaped oh hazard balthazar and the faces of joan of arc
1: yeah those are the big portrait four. of joan of arc okay yeah. good to know all right that's it that's that's, it. that's that's how you get in touch with us arthur uh we're gonna do another movie next week right the celebration of 10 years continues i assume
0: uh, I, I guess is, is Dustin on for one more? I'm on for one more. I'm, I'm on for contract. ten years of ten year celebration. Well, I think, <laughs> I, I think next week actually uh, is 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 the ten year. Is the actual ten I year? I think so. Yeah. I think it's the the the, the real final. anniversary. Yeah, I think that's it. So uh, as as next week, as the, the great poet Jerry Reed once said, "We're eastbound and down. We're loaded up and trucking, and we're gonna do what they say can't be done." We've got a long way to go <laughs> and a short time to get there. Yeah. Next week, we're going to watch Smokey and the Bandit run. Uh, the, the
1: biggest film of 1977, not called Star Wars. Not
2: called Star Wars. The
1: uh, the other genre film of 1977.
2: Breaker, Breaker 1-9, Breaker 1-9. Uh, CB radios will be in.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you about the bears that we see from our rocking chair next week. Uh, I'm I'm so excited I love this movie
2: So that's what's next you keep watching we'll keep talking And we'll see you all next time